Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Dustov, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. This episode is brought to you by ADM. You'll learn more about our sponsor, ADM Animal Nutrition's Forward First Program, at the commercial break. But right now, check out ADMEquine.com for more information and stand by for more. Gary Poitras is the brains behind Rodeo Computer Services. It's the software behind the handicapping system used by the USTRC to establish interstate commerce in the sport of team roping. He's helped shape the industry, though almost always strictly behind the scenes. He's had a front row seat to history, helping drive the explosion of the USTRC and eventually the World Series of Team Roping with the use of his software. Now he's pioneering the new, independent, global handicaps, the next evolution of Team Roping's number system. He sat down and took the time to explain how handicapping has evolved and where it's going on the new platform. If you care about your number, and judging by the conversations I have with team rope on a daily basis, you do, and you're curious how ropers are raised or lowered, this episode is a must-listen. This new system will provide instant handicap appeals, regional and national event listings, real-time updates for ropings across the country, the most complete analysis on ropers of all levels, and way more. Gary breaks down the thinking behind it, and his insights will blow you away. Here is Rodeo Computer Services' Gary Poitras. Gary, we are in top secret bunker right now of information <laughs> rodeo computer well service. you better hope the bomb doesn't come through <laughs> the ceiling i do every day i do but that's what this office kind of feels like this is a we are in the rodeo computer services office visiting right now and thank you for letting um, me glad to have you giving me the code to get in the door <laughs> there was a lot of booby traps on the way in here but i made it so, Gary, we've, you have always been kind of an unknown entity to me. I've been the man behind the curtain making the magic happen. Magic is a word I'd use. Team Ropers might not use the word magic, but we're talking about the handicapping system. Well, they have not used the word magic a long time. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to throw that out there because we have a lot to talk about today that is magic and voodoo that you've done here in the office. But I want to know where... How on earth did you get into handicapping, team roping? Where did this come from? Um, I learned a life lesson. Never do anything out of anger. I was mad at Pat Honeycutt. <laughs> uh-huh. I told her that I could do a better job of classifying team ropers and making ropings even than they ever thought of. In what era? When was this? What year was uh, it? That would have been about 1986, 85, 86. Yeah. After it was just getting started pretty well on the West Coast. Um, I, my wife and I moved to California, so the first thing we do, since I've been roping since I was pretty much an infant, was we ran head first and butted head to head against Pat and Larry Honeycutt and their new concept. Were you, was your background in Silicon Valley millionaire uh, <laughs> programming, or where did you, where did that come from? Not hardly. Uh, I started RCS to give my son, who was only 14 at the time, a career. Mm-hmm. I thought, well... 
you want to write computer software, I'll give you a computer and we'll build a little business. And I said, I know exactly who needs the most help. And we'll show that Pat Honeycutt a thing or two. And that's kind of how we got going. Mm -hmm. And it was quite a journey. So that was, that was in the 80s. The USTRST started 1990, 1991. When did you join forces with Denny Gentry? Well, actually, uh, Denny and I kind of got together, uh, I think, the last half of 89 and 90. And uh, it was just a phone call. Uh, we, we actually got put together by, by Bob Feist. Uh, Bob's an uh, integral part of, of why this whole thing got moving in the first place. Uh, Denny had an idea. He had a good county roping. He had a big vision, and he knew that he needed help to expand his vision. He called Bob Feist. Bob said, I know who you need to talk to, and the next thing I know, we've got a phone call. And so you knew Bob because you were kind of one of the wolves in California back then, right? Or how did you get to know Bob? Well, I knew Bob. I know Bob's a, he's ashamed of being a roping bum, but he was a roping bum for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he used to run with Bobby Burles and Allen and, and uh, all of that group up running jackpot. And we had jackpots. Uh, those were actually kind of the golden days of, of team roping as opposed to even to today. You drive by two jackpots to get to a better one. And Bob was running around, and one day we were at a, at a roping, and he was feeding his horses, and and uh, he kept saying, you know, God, I missed a roping last week. I wish I'd known about it. And he said, we need some way for people to know where all these ropings are, and and what kind of ropings they are, and who puts them on. And it's too bad there isn't something like a newspaper for that. And the next thing I know, the Roper Sports News has spawned. Bob, here's Bob's off and running. He's carrying his little Roper Sports News in his car with him everywhere he went. And, and it was quite a journey. And he, he's done more than, than uh, be uh, successful in our industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we, those of us who make our living telling Ropers where Ropings are, owe Bob a little bit of credit for that little thing. That well, and, and he's done even more than that. He's, he, he's helped a lot of people. He's, he, he's always been unselfish with everyone I know, with his time and, and actually what he knew. Uh, and I've been in an airplane with him, so if you're dumb enough to get in an airplane with somebody, you better trust him. <laughs> now, thinking back to those early days, what kind of computers were you using? What kind of computers did, did that software? <laughs> Well, the first one I bought my son when he first started working on was an old uh, Commodore 64. It was one of the very first personal computers, and compared to what we're doing today, it was really archaic. And we moved up to the next generation, and they were really slow. And then the next generation, and they were really slow, but a little faster. And nobody had personal computers back then. So as we were trying to develop software to go into events, then of course, draws, how to put a draw together, and calculate times and things like that, you needed faster machines. And eventually they got out of the old 386 into the 486s and, and the dual Pentium processors and we started having some speed, we could do things. When we got ready with our first event software to run a rope and once again, Bob Feist, I called him and I said, hey Bob, I've got something going out here and I wonder if you would let me bring it to the BFI and use it. And he said, man, load it up, come on. So we did. First year that I took it out there, I, I set it up at the timer stand. And you had to pack about a half a trailer load of equipment then. <laughs> you don't do what we do today. 
I set it up, and here comes Bob Tallman. And <laughs> Bob Tallman, he doesn't even look at me. And, and, and you, if anybody knows Bob Tallman, you know what I'm talking about. He's just in his own little zone, and he's having a great time. And all of a sudden, he looks over, and he sees that computer terminal there, and it's black. And he says, what's this for? And I said, well, I'm going to help you with this roping. And I got the dirtiest look. <laughs> so we started off, and uh, he, he announced, and, and Bob Tallman's an amazing announcer anyway, and he's announcing the rope, and everything's going great. And then we got into the second round, and we started having to do some math on these guys. What's the cutoff? Who's doing what in the average? What won the day money's on the fly? And I noticed him peeking over there at that computer, and then pretty soon we're in the third round, and then we're in the fourth round, and now he's moving on, he's sitting beside me, <laughs> and he's looking at the terminal screen, and, and he's announcing off the terminal board. Mm -hmm. And so now he's announcing off the screen, and, and from that day on, he was, uh, he was one of our biggest fans. Mm -hmm. um, he's embarrassed me on more than one occasion. The one year I got to go rodeo on, as I'm leaving the arena, he's saying, well, that's the guy right there. He's, he's the brains of the team rope, and he's done this and that and the other, and I can't get out of the arena fast enough. <laughs> uh, but he's been a great supporter of our work and he's done a lot for the industry too. So as far as the computer programming and the database management side of things, mm -hmm. self-taught, did you, did you go to any school to learn? Well, my son decided that he wanted to, he's, he runs a large uh, uh, IT outfit here in Plano, uh, but he decided he just got tired of cowboying in general and I didn't know how to write code. So I had to go to college and take night classes to learn to write code just to fill in the gap for a couple of years. And then uh, we really kind of got rolling. And I, I uh, came, when we moved to Texas in 2000, uh, I hired, I was really lucky. I found, I went to Tarleton, I called and I said, I need the smartest kid you've got graduating in, in IT and especially in database. And they sent me the man I have today still He's been with me 17 years, and uh, he runs this business now, and he's a whiz. And so I've been hiring kids to write code. They're not kids. They're adults, but graduates from Tarleton, and I, they, we have a great source of, of, uh, of people to pick from. Mm -hmm. So how many people are on staff here? Uh, RCS has three. We have three writing code now. We, were as, we had it as large as five at one time. Um, but we've got a good staff here. We pick our, our topics. Uh, we basically run our own program. And uh, that way we can control the product and we can time it to where we can not make too many really big mistakes. So for years now, you've been doing both the, the number system, uh, the handicapping system, and, and the software, the database that manages that, and then also the event software, correct? Correct, and yeah. Up until this point, have they worked? Have they worked together, or kind of how how do those two very different systems work together? Well, the the analysis is a, is a, we were challenged. <clears throat> Actually, Rick Barton, who was the president of the USDRC at one time, they were leaving a big meeting, and and the argument's always been classifications. Since classification started, which is what got me mad at Pat Honeycutt in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's been nothing but a fight over numbers. And everybody was doing it with, well, I think this and I think that, and I know that old boy, and personalities get involved. And Rick Barton walked out of a meeting at Equibrand, and he just walked into my office and said, you would think somebody would be smart enough to figure out how to use statistics 
to get team ropings right. He said, they do it in every other sport. Why can't we do it in team roping? And I said, well, I can do that. Man, that was quite a statement because it's been quite a journey since then. That was about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was how we got imparted on that path. Well, the analysis is just taking all the data that we take in from the events and letting it tell us who's doing what and how the event is shaping up. Uh, and over the period of time, we've had a huge amount of data to work with. We've been doing this for 30 years. So over a period of time, you just refine the way you interpret the data and it will tell you what's going on. We know what's happening. And so 30 years of data is now going into the global handicapping system, which is the the new product. Is it a product? The new product doesn't seem like it does. Product is the right word. Is it? Is it? Perfect. Is the new product um, that RCS is introducing to the marketplace in the next month? Uh, we w- we're hoping we can get it rolled out in a month. More realistically, we're looking at maybe New Year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing the beta testing on it now. It looks great. Uh, we believe it's a completely different approach to thinking about how to even out the playing field in team roping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've stepped back and taken a look at how it's been thought through and thought of in the past. And in the past, it's never really worked. All it's done is create about as much conflict as it has solution. So we quit trying to compare people to people, yeah, which is important. always the way everyone's looked at it. And what we're saying is, well, we don't really care who's at the roping if everybody can win it. And how do we know everybody can win it? Well, we look at the end result. Um, what dictates whether you win or not is speed. We're talking about time. And we can measure that. We can measure it. We can measure how you got there. And at the end of the day, we can also determine whether you can do it over and over. Well, if we can do that, then what we can do is stair-step, give a a nice stair-step method to get someone from their beginning experience in team roping to their first NFR and not make them have to jump across the Grand Canyon if their number gets moved. That's been the goal. So you gave me a sneak peek of this system, and there's actually a way for you to just manually request a review or there's a way for you to to find out how your number can change you, you give people a guideline yeah we give them a path a path yeah in the past what's happened has been <clears throat> classifications the burden of the number is always placed on the staff at classifications they are responsible if it gets raised or lowered because they interpret it and they make the decision what we're saying is this the computer will look statistically at what you look like it will take those numbers and make a decision as to whether you are competitive or non-competitive, either direction, up or down. Once it makes that decision, it passes it off and says, here, this adjustment's required. When you gave me a preview of the system earlier, there is actually a pathway for folks to request their number be reviewed. Um, they can choose a roping if they meet the right criteria determined by the computer. They can choose a roping, in fact, for their number to be re- to rope it with a review number. Tell me about more of how you came up with that system. Well, everybody, we've, for years, we've heard the same two statements. Um, we can't move your number. We can't lower your number without more data. And then the comeback is always, well, I'm not going to waste my money on a number I know I can't win with. Yeah. So what we want to do is, if you really believe your number's wrong, and you can get enough support, either from the people you rope with, 
the people around you, or the computer. The analysis will support your position. If the, if the computer supports your position, you don't even have to ask anybody. You have a pathway forward to compete with a lower number in one event at a time until we get a real answer. And you basically work your way to the number that you flatten off. In that way, we keep the staff in classifications from having to make decisions for you. Their job now is to show you the pathway, show you how you can get into the, the application, work the number yourself, and get where you think you need to be. If you can't get enough people to support you, maybe you don't have a position. If you have a position, you should sure be able to find people that feel the same way about it you do. And that's all we're asking. You get you some, some support, we'll go with you. We're not going to shut you out. We're not going to make it impossible for you to deal with. You're not going to have to beg anybody to listen to you. You're not going to have to send all of this stuff in. You're not going to have to wait eight or ten weeks. The burden is on you. We put this mouse in your pocket. The faster you can get people to support you, the faster you get your chance to rope with a lower number at a rope and at a time until we get you where you need to be. Where do producers fit into that mix? Well, the producers, when, when we make a, uh, an adjustment recommendation in classifications in the future, the compute, your producers, the people that you spend your money with that have a vested interest in how this thing looks, they'll have a voice in it as well. We're not going to let them dictate the total outcome of this thing, but they have a large input and they can speak your case. They can work for you on, on your side of this agenda. We're not trying to hurt you. We're actually trying to help you. I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I can actually make you more competitive by raising your number than I can by lowering it. And I can prove it. That's the difference in what we're doing here. By looking at these things the way we are now, which is by the roping, we say in this division, if you can go this fast in this division, you're going to win something. Unequivocally. Then what we've done is we've taken this, I'm not sure what it's going to take to win. I know exactly what I need to be doing to be successful. Actually, the producer is actually your advocate. He has a chance to speak for you. Now, he doesn't need to be pestered to death. He has his way that he can input what he needs to be done. He has a voice in our decisions. And his job is to keep you happy. But our job is to make sure that the ropens are even. And we do that by monitoring the final product. So now, as far as producers go, you've already got a lot of producers on board that are going to be using your software. And the software is all housed in the same product as the global handicapping system. Uh, how is that going to work for producers and why is it such an advantage for producers to use this software? Well, global handicap is more than just numbers. Uh, I know that's what most of the ropers are the most interested in because it, take, it has an impact on the competitions. But what we do for the producers is we provide them the tools they need to run their business by themselves. They don't need to have people that they need to answer to. They can schedule their ropens. They build their own calendars. What we're doing is we're just taking all of the data from the industry and trying to house it in one place so everyone has access to it as they see fit and as they need. Your own data is your data. We have a portal for producers that allows them to do everything they need to do to get an event off, to know how it came out for them, to know how their business is holding up, to know whether they're going the right way, the wrong way. 
We give them the kinds of tools that we've known through our uh, experience over the years that these people are going to need from day to day. Confused with the vast offering of equine nutritional products? ADM Animal Nutrition's Forage First program makes feeding horses uncomplicated and easy. First, start with Forage, a horse's natural feed, and then add the needed Forage First performance-proven Patriot feeds. Patriot feeds are formulated for today's performance horses using the latest scientific data. Patriot uses gross strong minerals, multiple sources of high-quality protein, quality grains, highly digestible fiber sources, pre and probiotics, and added vegetable fats to provide balanced nutrition for horses. With this combination, horses can be healthy and perform at their best with less risk of metabolic and digestive disorders. Where forage supplies are limited or of poor quality, choose one of the complete feeds in the Patriot lineup of products. For more information, go to ADMEquine.com. within the last 10 to 15 years, you learned one game. The people that learned to rope and, and started roping within the last uh, 10 to 15 years, they've learned a different game. The run is different, the setups are different, and the requirements are different. So what we're trying to do now is mix and match the new generation and the new run with the old generation and the old run. And they mix about like oil and water for the most part. You can't do it with personalities. When you let personalities get involved in this thing, it creates a huge imbalance because you're not willing to make a tough call. Nobody wants to call up some kid's mom and explain to her why he's going from a four to a four elite. That's a call absolutely everybody dreads. So how do you avoid that call? We set a set of markers and we say, this is the standard. You meet the standard or better, then we're going to have to react. And what we're trying to do is keep the rugby players are the new generation and the football players are the 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds. And the people that started learning, even when I started learning, up until the, the advent of all of these new sleds and the new videos and all the new instructional tools, this new run is different. And you either make the new run and you're competitive or you make the old run. And the problem is where we're trying to match these two together. So either we have to get separation and have the top end of our sport matching themselves, and we take the older generation that have worked at their game and stayed hooked on it long enough that they made that little jump. When the run changed, they figured the run out. And there's a few of those. And then we let the other people play their game. The only thing similar about them is they're on the same, they play on the same field. They're trying to play at the same time and they can't play at the same time. So that's what we're doing. 
What is the least understood thing about what you do here? What do you think people get wrong? Well, I'm not too sure many people really understand what we do here. Uh, there's never been a lot of uh, public exposure to actually what physically goes on and, and what our true business nature is and how we think about our job and what we're trying to accomplish. That's kind of natural if you're wanting to keep everybody in the dark, but that also creates a problem because then it creates suspicion and over the years our sports had a lot of that going on. And what we're trying to say is this, we think about this for the better of the sport. Our sport can't survive, it can't keep growing and can't survive long term. It'll destroy itself if we can't control the competitions. It's already done it to itself at least once and almost twice that I know of. Uh, it used to be in the old days, there was the people that could really rope and the rest of them that couldn't and they wannabes. Well, you know, after a while, you, you kick a dog enough times you can't even get close to him. And it's the same sort of thing. Nobody would come to a rope and the ropings all died out. And you'd be in Arizona, which is the thickest population of team ropers almost in the entire country, and then it was by far. And you put on a rope and get 15 teams because the NFR guys and everybody that made a living rope and spent the winter there. We need to avoid that at all costs. And to do that, we need to get this thing more even so everybody's competitive. But at the same time I'm talking about the top end of the sport uh, as a negative, we also have to remember we've got we've to protect those people too. They're part of our sport. We can't just jettison them because we don't want to deal with them. And the same thing goes for kids. Kids are learning, they, their ramp up speed and their learning curve is so steep most people can't follow it. But we can't just ignore them and forget they exist because they're the next generation. The only way we can work our way through all of these problems is with a logical, common sense solution. And it has to be consistent. One of the things that you can't get is consistency when you deal with personalities. If we deal with the thing the way we're thinking about it in the future, we can create consistency. And that's all anybody wants out of classifications is consistency. And the new algorithm, or the new computer program, has algorithms that will will take into account age and gender and, and everything like that. But the old one, did the old one as well? Yeah, the old one, the old one, uh, this is actually the next generation of the original mm -hmm. algorithm. We've just been able to expand on it and include more precise analysis of each individual point. But remember, even you can analyze numbers all you want to. My wife has a great saying, figures lie and liars figure. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. But what we need to do is look at the end product because when you put your money down as a contestant, you ask yourself four questions. The first is, what's it going to cost to go? The second is, what can I win? The third is, can I find any partners? And the fourth is, can I actually win? If that weren't true, then the BFI would have a thousand teams every year and they only have a hundred. Mm -hmm. So we've, we look at the end product. The end product is what the roper looks at and what they expect when they go to the event. And we're saying this, you want to go enter this division, if you're this fast, you're going to win something. And usually it's going to be pretty good. We have a lot of reasons to think that and it's all based on, on facts that we've known over the years. But it's true, and we'll stand behind that. In 2020, 
I'm making a pretty rash statement and everybody, everybody associated with downstream of what we do here is telling me I'm absolutely crazy. But I'm telling you in 2020, if you get your number raised and you go to a rope and any time in your next 20 entries and you hit par, what we call our par for that event, and you don't get a check, we'll lower your number back. No questions asked. You don't even need to call us. We'll call you. And if you go 25 entries and you can't even hit par, we'll lower your number back. No questions asked. This way we can keep you in the hunt. If you're, in, if you're on a downward spiral, your horse died or you bought a new horse, all of those things are considered in your performance. We can react faster to what you're doing than we've ever been able to do in the past. Yeah, and you have a specific par set up for every, for every number open. Every team has its division total and we have one for every division there is. Um, they're consistent all the way through and what they, they keep from happening is you having to jump across a canyon to make the jump from the 11 rope into the 12 or from a 5 elite to a 6. You're, sometime you're going to have to change divisions and sometimes you're going to have to change partners. But at least everything will be in your grasp. You've already proven it's in your grasp before we ask you to do it. What mechanisms do you have set up without going too over our head technologically, but what mechanisms do you have set up to compare smaller ropings to larger ropings and to compare ropings in South Carolina at the county fair to ropings in the heart of Texas um, with 400 teams? Well, one of the major breakthroughs that we made, we statistically know how many people will compete under what conditions. And believe it or not, those numbers are pretty consistent and they have been for about 15 years. They're things that most ropers don't need to worry about, but we're nerds here and we do nothing but <laughs> dig into numbers. We were searching for the answer and we kind of stumbled across it. We let the people at the events tell us how difficult the, the event setup is and how tough the roping is for them. And what we do is, taking that information from them, we know how these ropings compare based on the size of the building, the size of the cattle. We can tell you whether your setup is tougher than normal. We have a national standard. It's based on the way ropings looked in, in uh, 2002. That's where we set the standard to. And we have found that all of the roping setups are softer, which we, anyone that ropes much today and was roping then would tell you that. And we can now adjust and look at your performance at any given set up and put it on one scale that works on any end of the country. What we're finding now is that is being true anywhere you go in the United States now, a 10 roping looks like a 10 roping. 10 roping in Texas looks like a 10 roping in California. And if it doesn't and California is a second and a half slower, it's because they're roping outside, bigger steers. We expect that and we react accordingly. We are comparing an apple to an apple. How many ropers in the country, this is something that, that Denny said a few times, how many ropers in the country are in the black making money at any given time? Only the ones that are misnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that's a bad swipe. For a month or two, an active roper with what global handicaps would consider a good number can be roping in the black for several legitimate reasons. But long term, only someone allowed to continue using what would be considered a bad number by global handicaps can stay in the black. But the point is that, that this is not a business. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much you want to think of it in a business-like fashion. Unless you are in the NFR this year, this is not your business. 
And that includes the guy that's 19th. Mm -hmm. You need to get a job. <laughs> but so, as with any other hobby, mm -hmm. you don't make money. Even the IRS won't let you make money on a hobby. Mm -hmm. This is a hobby. It's something you do because you love it. You love to compete. You love the lifestyle. That's why you're doing this. And it's going to cost you some money. Mm -hmm. We know how much money you should be winning based on your entry pattern. And those numbers, believe it or not, have not changed much. Maybe the pots got bigger, but on average, it stayed consistent. We know those numbers and we work to those numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the things, can you say some of the things that you're tracking um, that, that the computer set? Like the sure. Computer tracks? So I, I feel like a lot of the other number systems out there are early. They say what they're tracking, and we, we haven't done that as much. So what are we, what are we tracking? Well, actually, anything that is an advantage, anything that you can make an advantage for you in a competition, mm -hmm. we track. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we track how fast you are. We track how consistent you are. Everybody says they do that. Well, that's fine, but it isn't. That isn't the end-all, be-all. It's how each of those little data points, these little bits of light, combine to make a real light and what each of them's value is in relation to each other factor for instance and we know how people develop as they learn to row we know about how long we can expect to leave someone beginning to row up especially a kid and and we've had to track these really closely before when they start showing speed they're going to start showing consistency and then they're going to start showing consistent speed. And then they're going to start showing better partners. And then they're going to start doing, well, we know how long it takes for each of those because we've been able to track them for years. So when we tell you this kid right here is ready to go, he's already ready to go. Now, nobody wants to take up the fight, but I'm telling you it's the truth. That's all I can tell you is that this is true. We track your return on investment, which is the one thing everybody's concerned about. Boy, this is expensive. Well, that's true. I sure can't argue that point. We track who you're roping with. When you're winning, are you winning too fast? How many steers can you put together in sequence? What's your just standard catch ratio? How fast can you be, how fast does someone have to push you before you start losing control of your run? We know that number. And that is not your average time. Mm -hmm. It's way different. And it considers five or six different things. We know how many short rounds you make, and we know whether you're the tip of the spear or you're the, the feather on the other end of the arrow. All of these things go into what makes you a competitor and how competitive you are among the people you're dealing with. Remember, to win, winning in competition is easy. Knowing, I mean, knowing what it takes, all you've got to do is push your competitor farther than he's willing to go or farther than he has the ability to go. Mm -hmm. Well, each of those is a combination of things, not a single thing. It's, and you have to figure the mental aspect of this. We can actually figure the mental aspect. I can show you a choker from a guy that's a winner. <laughs> and and it, you can do it in the numbers. Yeah. We know whether when you do win and you're too fast, are you the strong end of the team or are you the weak end of the team? Are you getting the best end of the partners or are you getting the worst end of the partners? We track all of these things. And it isn't even that we track them. We know how valuable each of these items is in relation to every other item. For instance, 
one of the big myths out there is that speed is the ultimate answer. That's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And anybody will tell you that doesn't understand team roping like they want you to believe. Mm -hmm. Until you get above the 10 rope and speed is not your issue, it's catching. Now, once you get up there when everybody's catching 50, 60% of the runs, finishing 50 to 60% of your runs, they're all, they're all finishing the same number of runs. Now we're talking about speed. Now speed becomes an issue. Now you start combining and throwing another element into this mix. If you're going to punish somebody just because they're fast, everybody knows somebody that can throw three coils at one and hang it on one out of 15 of them. Well, how many jackpots does that guy win? He never wins. Mm -hmm. You may see him running a steer at somebody's rodeo, hometown rodeo, and doing well, but he won't do well in jackpots. So it's not a single item. Mm -hmm. It's an overview of what it takes to be a winner. And that's it. That, there's no more than that to be said. Is there any such thing as ducking off and avoiding the number system? No. You'd like to think so, but there isn't. We, our job here is to do a good job of what we are setting out for. And if we do that, we can't ignore the vast amount of data that's available to the public that is in public domain. Anything published is in public domain. It doesn't matter where it's published. We have people on staff here whose task it is to find data, find what's going on. We, but what's different is that once we get the data, it's not having the data that's important. Once you have the data, it's how you interpret it, how much emphasis you allow it to have on the end result, and how far you're willing to go out there to defend it. Uh, we have what we consider our weakest form of data. It's called free-form data. And for instance, for all you PRCA guys and all you little amateur guys that, that think you're just slipping off and nobody's paying attention, there's almost no rodeo association in the United States we don't have complete set of numbers on. So if you're a four-header and you're slipping off to your little Wisconsin duck-off home rodeo and you're 6'5", and we don't know anything else about you, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get a phone call because we know it. And right is right, and don't be mad at us because we're working hard at doing a good job for the people that we're responsible to. Remember, we feel we're responsible to the people that buy a Global Handicaps car. We owe them our best, and that's part of our best, and we're committed to it. Mm -hmm. And anybody that, that has had to deal with me personally knows how serious I am about this. Um, there's no talking around an issue. We'll meet it head on. We've got a problem, we'll get it solved. And our whole staff here feels the same way. We're not trying to make your lives miserable. We're trying to make your lives better. When your number gets raised, look at the time you have to beat in the next division to win. The problem's always been you get your number raised in the past, you don't know what you've got to do to win until after they've already taken advantage of you and you can't find a partner and you're sitting at home and you're mad and you're mad at somebody so who is it you're mad at you're mad at the people who moved your number but we can fix that and that's our task that's what we're committed to that mm -hmm. and with all of this said with everything that you have going and as many hours as i'm sure you log in here what on earth do you do when you aren't working for Rodeo Computer Services. What is your, <laughs> what's fun? Well, I ride my bike. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, we rope at home. I still rope. Look, I was raised roping. That, that's, we spoke for a few minutes before we turned this microphone on. And it isn't what I do. It's what I am. Um, it's a part of me I can't shake. It's something I can't let go. I don't want to let go of it. We rope at the house. I don't compete because, as we mentioned, you cannot be a player and a referee in the same game. I don't care who you are. If you have a vested interest in winning, you can't judge who's going to be able to compete. So that's why I stopped competing about eight or nine years ago. But we still rope at home almost every day. And actually, to be quite honest with you, I still rope pretty well. But I ride a bike. I ride it all the time, um, anywhere from 15 to 20 miles. You know, at, and I don't do it as much now, but uh, I still ride it three days a week or so. Mm -hmm. And that's how I get away from this. Uh, I get out there and, and get my lungs screaming and don't have to worry about it for a while. So not spin class, you do... No, I'm on the road. You're on the road. Yeah. Spin class doesn't cut it. <laughs> There's nothing like going up a hill and just about all you got to get to the top of it. So if you are driving through Stephenville, Texas, and you see a guy on his bike, that's not some boulder hippie like I <laughs> No. <laughs> that no. is the guy that's Well, running. I can tell you for sure I don't look like a hippie no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> but the people around here, I've done it so long here mm. now that... that um, Pretty much most of the people have seen me on the road and, and they know this is what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will let you get back to work so oh, that you. you can get home to either roping or your bike before well, it's dark. Well, what I've got to do is get this thing rolled out. So <laughs> that's probably what I'll be doing. Well, we'll be excited to see it and use it, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we're, I think you'll like it. We, we've put a lot of work in it. We've put a lot of new thinking in it. This isn't, this isn't just rehashing the same old thing that's always been done. You, you just know? hire a graphic designer to redo the app. No, no, <laughs> no. There's, there's a lot of creative thinking. And here's another thing. Anybody that is listening here, when you get your hands on it, and I, and I, we want you to use it. If there's a problem in it, we want to know it because we want to fix it. The object here is to get this right. It's been done for so long and cause more grief than it solved, it's about time we got it squared away. And since I'm the one that started it in the first place, you I'm the one that needs to fix it. You're like Frankenstein's. Yeah. Like Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Gary. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. I just want to remind you that all the details about the guarantees that we made in this episode, they're going to be available on the Global Handicaps website. Nothing that we said here is absolutely the official final word. You can look for everything at globalhandicaps.com, and that is going to be all of the official information. Remember, this episode was brought to you by the Patriot Feeds line of products by ADM Equine. Visit ADMEquine.com for more information.